Welcome to the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast. My name is Ann Garten, and I am your host today and the director for the Institute. And I'm really excited today to have uh, Claire Mato-Style with us from Empower House. Welcome, Claire. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I wonder if you would start with a little bit about yourself, uh, and we'll and then we'll go from there. Yes. So I am the executive director at Empower House, uh, but I am also a co-founder of Empower House myself and four other rehab therapists. So my maybe past life, my past career life, um, I am, but I was practicing as a speech-language pathologist. So myself and another speech-language pathologist and two occupational therapists saw a need for something more for brain injury survivors in our area. So all of us worked at, or some of us still work at, Genesis in outpatient settings. And people kept coming to us looking for a little bit more. Um, And so Empower House was born. So I, I don't need to dig too much into that yet, but yeah, that's yeah. kind of on my professional background. And I believe you're an alum of yes, Ambrose, correct? I am, yeah. recently were recognized as a, a young alum as well yes. for all of your work in the community. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. How did brain injury become a passion for you? Yeah, good question. To be honest, when I got into speech therapy, the way I say that I got into speech therapy was I worked with hand-in-hand and family care solutions, and so I worked with kids especially with special needs. And I remember clearly in high school having my first client who was nonverbal, and I was like, hmm, I have no idea how to communicate with this person. So my eyes were open to the world of speech therapy. So coming from that background, I really thought that I wanted to work with kids. But then I got on my first internship at Genesis, actually, in the Lyft program. And I loved working with adults. I loved getting the opportunity to see what people were passionate about and help them reach their goals and see the dedication that they wanted to get better. Um, And the LIFT program was specifically a program for adults who had survived some form of brain injury. So that's really where that love was born. Excellent. And I think for our listeners, we probably should define Mm -hmm. brain injury, right? So do you want to go ahead and we can back and forth on that a little? Yes. I'm glad that you asked that because I think that's a a big misnomer and also people don't really identify with that term. But those of us on the background kind of know what, what I mean. So a brain injury, when I say that, I'm referring to any kind of acquired brain injury. So it may be a traumatic injury like a fall or a concussion sometimes, a gunshot wound, car accident, something like that. Or it may be non-traumatic like a stroke, seizure, tumor, anoxia. Um, but really, concussion is the biggest one. Uh, I just heard a stat recently that was pretty staggering to me is that concussions Attack. make up, yes, yeah. 75% of the total brain injury numbers. So. While that's not necessarily seen traditionally as that, there are certainly people who have long-term impacts from that type of injury. Yeah, I think that's the biggest piece is we tend to think it's just Mm -hmm. the inflammation that occurs at the time of the concussion, but that inflammation can then impact folks long-term. Right, right, absolutely. I wonder if you would share a little bit of what that looks like for folks. I have often said that those 
quote unquote mild injuries are sometimes the hardest on people because it's such an invisible illness or invisible injury. So brain injuries in general are not treated in the medical system as the chronic condition that they are. And so people with concussions, historically, it's like, okay, don't go to sleep and wake up tomorrow and you'll be fine or, or whatever it is. And there's not been a lot of research on that. But then we would see people in an outpatient setting who would be devastated because they were working high-level jobs and suddenly their brain wasn't functioning in the same way. And friends or coworkers would be saying, why aren't you doing this? Or why are you acting funny? But because you don't have a, a cast on your arm, people don't understand that something is different. So those concussions really can be a tricky area. So I always tell people, look out for headaches, look out for sleep changes, look out for changes in your attention or memory, because those little things really can can kind of carry over for a long time. And people may not get the help that they need. Indeed. And I think for our listeners as well, that's also an important thought process for um, uh, potential strokes, mm-hmm. you know, and other potential injuries that they, something doesn't feel right. Yep. You need to be be seen. That would be our, our best practice, right? Absolutely. So I think at this point, because we're going to let the providers take mm-hmm. care of the acute side of brain injury, but in the uh, Empower House model, we're looking at that chronic long-term, yes. right? And how do we make an impact for for folks in our community? And I wonder if you would share with us a little bit about what a clubhouse model is. Mm-hmm. So Empower House is based on the clubhouse model, which is actually an international model. So we're lucky. Uh, we're very blessed that we we are the only first and only brain injury clubhouse in the state of Iowa. But the clubhouse model actually started in 1948 with people who had had pretty severe psychiatric diagnoses. So people were tired of being in and out of inpatient hospitals and decided that model wasn't working for them. The the core of the clubhouse model really is community, and the goal is to help people reach their full potential, whatever that looks like for them. So I have a quote that I stole from somebody else about the clubhouse model, um, and it may not be popular in Iowa, but it's that farmers don't grow crops. And the idea is that farmers do all of these things to make the environment the ideal environment for crops to grow, but crops inherently grow. That's the nature of what they do. And so that's really what we do with the clubhouse model. We don't do anything to or for anyone that they can't do for themselves. We provide a safe space for people to work on functional skills or get back to work or build up their endurance so that they can return to whatever goals they have. I think also it is that feeling of community. Yes. Right? And so folks that are dealing with some of the same struggles, barriers, um, excitement, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Positives as well. Those things, celebrations. uh, It gives them that chance to to do that within a community. Right. That's Almost one of the biggest things that we hear is people, we just had a new tour this morning, actually, before I came down here, and he was like, this place is so positive. I can't believe it. And and people understand what I'm going through, even if it's not exactly the same. We all need that sense of community. I really feel like in the pandemic, we all got a little taste of, of what life was like without a sense of community, right? Even if it was just for two weeks that people were at home not working, for me personally, it was devastating. I was like, what in the world am I going to do today? When I wake up in the morning and I'm not talking with my normal people and I'm not in my normal routine, 
what does life look like for me? And that's what happens to most people after a brain injury. Over 50% of people don't return to work after their injury. So if that was your every single day, what does that look like? You, your mental health declines. You kind of become a shell of your former self. And so to have a place just to belong and where people recognize you and can le- level with you like, yep, I get that. I've been there. Here's how I dealt with that. That's a huge gift that we all need in our lives. Indeed. They become family. Right, right. right. Tell me a little bit, do families get involved in, in the clubhouse? Yes, that's a cool thing that we have seen and also something that we're expanding in the next year. So next year, starting in the spring, we're going to have some dedicated caregiver programming that I'm really excited about because people need, again, we can't work in silos. I can't, as a speech therapist, expect that my 40-minute session with somebody cures their life, right? And and people need family support. And if the families don't have the support, they can't support each other. So we have found really cool sense of community with the families as well. One example that I have is we have monthly social nights. And so That is open to families as well, but sometimes what we've seen is, especially one group of wives who are caregivers, their family members will come and participate in our social night, and we're downtown Davenport, so they'll go and they'll grab an appetizer together, go grab a coffee, and just sit and chat and have that time together, again, to commiserate or or share positives or whatever it looks like, but to have somebody who understands. That's a cool community. I think, too, it's important for folks to understand uh, in the eye of person-centeredness, family is defined by you. Yes. Right? So it's not necessarily a... parent or a, a sibling or, a, or a, a spouse or what have you. It really needs to be who you have defined to be your family. And that's something we talk about in in terms of Empower House. We refer to everybody involved with Empower House as our family. Like We have an Empower House family. And you can feel that sense of, I don't want to say commitment to one another, but that, that shared love and understanding. And just, we all have those people in our lives when you get together, it's like, yeah, I, I have that group and they get me. And that's how it is at Empower House. Indeed. Last night I went to Dr. Gandhi's piece at Augustana mm-hmm. and he really talked about that and the connectedness that mm-hmm. we all need in whatever form to bring peace to ourselves, right? And I, I think that's really important with those who um, struggle or, or live with, I wouldn't even say struggle. Struggle. They live with uh, chronic things in our lives. And, and beyond just um, the brain injury, that would be any chronic disease, right. right, to have that connectivity. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the accessibility of the clubhouse and what does, it, what does a day there look like? Yeah, so we are open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And the goal of Empower House or any clubhouse is to kind of mimic working hours of the day. Uh, We also do have monthly evening social programming. So a typical day at Empower House is we have our morning meeting at 930 where we have a big whiteboard and everybody chooses what jobs that they want to do for the day. We have a business unit, a kitchen unit, and a maintenance unit. And so people choose how they want to contribute that day. Uh, For the kitchen unit, we make lunch every single day that we're there. So that also includes planning meals, ordering groceries, making sure we have things in stock 
restaurant, cleaning up, obviously. Um, business unit helps plan events, writes thank you notes to donors, answers the phone, gives tours, um, calls members who haven't been coming for a while. And maintenance unit does basic maintenance of our space. So you can see how, one, it's person-centered in that people are choosing how they interact with our programming. But two, it is meant to help people, like I say, with whatever goals they have. So it might be that somebody wants to get back to a job in a kitchen setting and they're working on some of those goals. Or it might be that they want to cook more independently at home. Or it might be that they're working on standing endurance or whatever it is. We can break that down further and further. Um, so that's kind of a typical day. We do also actually have students from St. Ambrose. So right now in fall semester, we have a lot of OT students running around, which is wonderful, doing programming. We have speech therapists who run uh, cognitive groups with us. So it ebbs and flows. But a typical day is kind of structured around those three units. I wonder if you would share a little bit, like, what age groups are, are you typically seeing and what, what do you accept and those pieces as well? Yeah, so we have a wide range. Uh, the only kind of um, requirements to membership, that's what we call participation at the clubhouse. The, so the only requirements to membership are over age 18 with an acquired brain injury can't be an active harm to self or others and has to be able to toilet and medicate independently or have a caregiver assist with those things. So that's a pretty broad range. Currently, our age range, um, we do have somebody as young as 19 right now, up to 60s, I would say. Um, probably our average age is about 40, 50. Excellent. And I think going back to the, the last piece we talked about then, we have a wide range of goals mm -hmm. happening, right? Yes. And and from uh, I, and I, I love that piece of the person-centeredness because you're able to engage that individual within the community mm -hmm. uh, and, and no different than our home life or our work life, right? We each have our own goals and what have you, and, and they're really trying to function in, in that manner. Yes. The thing that strikes me, another stat that stands out to me is that on a national level, it's estimated that 95% of brain injury survivors don't receive all of the support they need. And so we know what we do certainly doesn't replace the medical model. And we also know that the medical model can only go so far. And so we're meant to be kind of the end of that continuum of care where people can come to us lifelong for support if that's what they need or want. Um, and it is very much person-centered in that some people will come very consistently for months and then have other priorities in their lives. And then they'll find their way back to us. And that's okay. We're there for when people need us. Excellent. So I, I think in that piece, I wonder if you would share a couple of um, – Stories, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and in and in different ranges. What does mm -hmm. that What does that look like in the successes of the folks who who have joined? Yeah. So the, this is my favorite thing to talk about. So <laughs> I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, but one story I often tell because I think it's really tangible is a story about one of our members, Will, who ha has allowed me to share this story in the past. But he came on his very first day and jumped right in, helped doing dishes at the clubhouse, I didn't think anything of it. Um, he is a motorcycle accident survivor, so he has a limited use of one side of his body. Um, but like I say, he, he was mobile. He was jumped right in to be helpful. And 
he lives with his mom, and the next week he came back to me, and he was like, wow, I really surprised my mom last week. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? He was like, well, after coming here, I went home and I did dishes for the first time in nine years since my injury. And I was like, ooh, I didn't think to have worried about that because you were so able and so willing. But for so many people, one, they get out of habits. And two, sometimes, again, they just need that safe space to try something different. And at home, it may be more efficient for somebody else to do those things. And so they just don't get the opportunity. But another story that really stands out to me is Mary, who she's she's been allowing me to sing her praises for a little while now, but she uh, started coming to us last year. And I would absolutely describe her as kind of quiet and reserved and timid when she first came to us. And she shared that she had a stroke, and after her stroke, she was embarrassed by the way that she was left, was her word. So how her stroke had impacted her, and she didn't want to leave her bedroom. So in the year that she has been coming to Empower House, she gives tours to almost everybody who comes. She has very much taken on a leadership role by helping new members when they come and take them under their wing. She actually presented at our national conference virtually about what Empower House is. So to be able to see people flourish in those ways that for us coming from the medical model are kind of they're tangible, but somewhat intangible. I'm not measuring that on an assessment that I give. It's really, really neat to see how people can still grow and thrive years after their injury. I think that's really important for mm-hmm. the folks who are still practicing in the medical model, yes. right? Because we tend to treat the disease at that right. point, and we forget to give folks the opportunity to have purpose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and that is what those folks, you you all and, and others that may be in, in other communities that might be listening, is is to still have that opportunity to give folks purpose. Right. Right? Um, and I think that is so important, again, no matter the chronic disease, mm-hmm. specifically right today on this one, but when we lose that, we lose the drive to get up yes. and do things. Yes. And... and um, so that connectivity, uh, the purpose, things like that are what gives folks that health and well-being closer to where their goals might be. Right. I took a class earlier this year that had a phrase for that, which is being welcoming versus kind of a, a form of confrontation that I, has stuck with me so much, which is we need to meet people where they are, not where we are. So despite the fact that we might have preconceived notions about what someone should be doing or can be doing, it may not be where they are or what their goal is for themselves. And so we need to keep that in mind and look at the big picture. Indeed. I also think in in our conversation a little bit about communication and folks with uh, traumatic brain injury of some sort, right? Because that always, not always, most of the time looks very different for the folks after uh, their, their injury. And I wonder if we talk a little bit about that as well to give, um, caregivers or or even people who may be listening who have a brain injury, some of those tools and, and thinking a little differently. You know, mm-hmm. your background is speech. And mm-hmm. I think that yesterday, again, when we were listening to uh, Dr. Gandhi, he did a piece where he had um, everybody pick up a partner 
And uh, they had the one person hold their fist like a rock. And then the second partner was to try and open that fist as if there's a diamond in it and you were trying to get it out. Well, what did everyone do? They all tried to physically mm-hmm. open it. And he made the comment, how many of you actually asked the person to open the right. fist, right? And, and I think for this group of people, that looks, again, very different, you know? And so I wonder if you'd talk a little bit about that. Yes. I think that really goes back to this idea of brain injury being an invisible illness, too, because it's not just in the in a medical setting. It's not just an empower house, but there are many people who have survived brain injuries, all of whom are walking around the community. And a lot of times, unfortunately, are in the criminal justice system, or they may need response from medics and things like that. And so when there's a communication impairment or even difference, we may mistake those things as being confrontational or not being fully with it. I I don't want to use the word stupid, but sometimes, you know, that that is unfortunately the perception. And so sometimes people do need to communicate in different ways and we need to allow space for that. So I think the biggest thing is patience and understanding and not judging, not being so quick to that. Indeed. as And I love the word patience because sometimes it's giving them that extra few moments mm-hmm. just to formulate the words that they want. Right. Right. And then maybe clarifying the words for yes. them uh, so that you are not misunderstanding something right. because they may need to use some different words that you and I might use to get there. Right. We, uh, my, my colleague and I, Missy, we're both speech therapists and we have been laughing about how much we have learned about the intricacy of language and misunderstanding and how quickly it can happen. But to your point, that's something I try to use personally a lot is that repetition. I hear you saying this. Is that what you're trying to say to me? Or did I perceive that correctly? Because there are so many little intricacies that can be taken in many different ways. Indeed. I wonder if you have any thoughts or things that you want to share in in closing. One thing that kind of has resonated with me in the past year is is something that someone shared with me, which is my job is to get people to start seeing brain injury because once you see it, you don't stop seeing it. And so while we kind of serve a niche area, it is widespread and not well recognized. And the idea of brain injury being treated as a chronic condition, especially for people who are trying to work on person-centered care, is essential um, because it is lifelong. There isn't a cure. Things can crop up decades down the road that are stemming from that original injury. And so to act with patience and recognize, again, meet people where they are, but know this is a lifelong process and know pretty much everybody ha- has some connection. What is it, the the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or something? Yes. Like, has, everybody has some connection to somebody with a brain injury, but it may not be termed as such. So Indeed. be patient when you are interacting. Thank you. I appreciate you coming. And uh, again, congrats on your uh, recognition here at, you. at Ambrose. And all the best at Empower House. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me.
Audio production for the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast is provided by KALA-FM Studios in Davenport, Iowa. The show is engineered by Dave Baker. It is produced by Ann Garten, Director of the Institute for Person-Centered Care and Nursing Faculty at St. Ambrose University.